someday to me means easing into never get dinner someday let's do that someday it means like it's not gonna happen <laughs> you know what i mean Okay, everybody, here we are, the home stretch. This week on Talking About Someday, I have the honor of welcoming my guest, Marie Lang. She's just starting out her career, but she's super talented. Uh, it was a really joy to work with her. We talk about her childhood in Austria, going to Berkeley College of Music, get into some dating advice and facts of life in the age of Tinder, and a really emotional breakdown of the song that we wrote together, Enough. Thanks for listening. You can still subscribe and listen to back episodes of Talking About Someday. And of course, please check out the whole album, Someday. Thanks. Who are you? Introduce yourself. My name is Marie Lang, and I'm a singer-songwriter. I live in New York City right now, but I'm from Austria, Vienna, originally. I came to the States when I was 18 to study at Berklee College of Music. And yeah, I kind of moved to New York City with a big dream. <laughs> and... I've um, been here since one and a half years now. So what was growing up in Austria like? Well, first of all, it's like one of the safest places in the world. I feel like nothing ever goes on there or like is outrageous. You like start going out super early. Like how young? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Like, I mean, maybe I was like also an early bird, but I started going out when I was like 14 to clubs okay. and no one would question it. Well, my mom questioned it for sure. She was like, where are you? I was like, I'm sleeping at my friend's right, house. Right. Like, leave me alone. It's like, I'm going um, over to Brenda's house. <laughs> exactly. Well, Brenda. Do you think that's a German <laughs> name? Is that how you said that? That was the first name that popped into my head. Yeah, but it's super safe. And then musically, it's just very different. Like, classical. So really like Bach and Mozart shit. Like, yeah. for real. Yeah, and that's how I grew up. I studied classical piano from the age I was six years old. I played flute from like kindergarten on for like 10 years. Oh, the recorder, you don't call it the flute, sorry. <laughs> so I was super into classical. I went to even like classical musician high school, very intense. Like we had tonal harmony in high school and music history and ear training. So going to Berkeley was kind of like just another music experience from like I don't know, the harmony stuff wasn't too hard for me, but then what was amazing about America is that every kind of different style of music is just valued equally. In Austria, it's very much like, oh, if you don't do classical music, you're not a real musician and you don't know what you're talking about. And then even like jazz is modern, whereas like jazz is very traditional in the, in the States, I feel like, you know what I mean? That's crazy how like, I mean, I didn't know that the you know, the legacy of the great composers essentially, like, just carries over. I mean, it kind of makes sense if you think about it, because, like, that is the musical legacy of that part of the world and that country. It's like, yeah. this is a thing that, that is kind of known for, even if it's 300 years old or whatever. Yeah, like, and I value that so much, because I, I mean, I love that I know about all this music, and I I know the, the roots of, like, classical music, but also it's very limiting when people tell you you can't do pop and R&B and, like, it's just not valued the same or not accepted. And people try to like drag you down for that when you're just trying to like express yourself. Those were types of music that you started to get into as a kid, but then you felt like in your traditional training, you kind of like kept hitting walls or, or like... Oh, like people would straight up, my teachers would straight up tell me like, jazz is the death of classical music. <laughs> like, you're never going to be successful or make a living. I mean, to this day, like when I went back home and I was studying at Berkeley College of Music, which is like, if you tell people here, it's like this great thing. I think people in Austria are sometimes kind of envious about it a little bit, maybe. Right. 
that has a rep even in Austria. Oh, for sure. But we like we just love to be pessimists about it, especially in Vienna. Viennese people are very pessimistic, and like it's funny, but it's also a lot when you're trying to be an artist and just like do your thing. The most modern, I guess, I could go in Vienna was um, with jazz singing, and so I studied um, at the conservatory from when I was 15 years old. I just always thought of like being a jazz singer from that moment on. And then I came to Berkeley and I was like, oh, it's actually accepted to like do R&B and love pop and call yourself a musician, even though you do super modern music, you know? I grew up in the Boston area. So Berkeley, you know, I just sort of just had the perception of it being a really well-recognized music school. But if you were like in a punk band and decided to go to Berkeley, you would get to Berkeley and all of a sudden there'd be all these like rules and you'd have to like learn all these specific things. But you kind of were in a much stricter oh, yeah. model growing up. So going to a place like Berkeley actually was like it was freeing, liberating. Freeing. Yeah, exactly. But also to seeing teachers that really try to lift you up and help you out and are excited about your progress. That was awesome because in Austria, it's, you have to have that respect, you know, to your teachers and, and then you call your Berkeley teacher Joe or whatever his first name is. <laughs> okay, so you get to Berkeley. It's basically like an opening up of opportunity it sounds yeah. like so Berkeley was like freeing but then it was also scary for me because all of a sudden there were all these great singers and also the language barrier my first language is German I was excited about all the opportunity but also scared to dive in like to just be on stage then I met my last producer Alex Cohen and we started a band together called Marco and that was a lot of fun because that was my first songwriting experience really and he was great because we just worked a lot together and he was the first kind of like electronic producer I ever worked with and we were both in like learning stages and we're just trying stuff out I didn't feel like pressured to do any certain kind of genre or sing in like a certain way or whatever we were just trying things out with that project I mean everything was like new even like songwriting right because in Vienna I never felt like I was entitled to do that kind of stuff or to like write lyrics and people care about it it was more of like oh like who would care about my stuff or who would listen to that and then in the states it was kind of like everyone was just doing it and people were so out there about their songs and their lyrics and um, just expressing feelings and ideas and no one um, everyone was so inclusive about it too trying to be supportive. We had also a great friends group. Like we always showed up to each other's gigs and we're cheering each other on. So it was just a really good environment for me personally. I think everyone's experience is also different. So we met because you collaborated with a friend of mine, Pat Locke. I just saw him in Vienna actually. Oh uh, yeah, right, because yeah, he was on tour. Exactly. So you guys got to have a hang like in your hometown. Yes, and I heard my song at this huge venue that I used to go to. Um, and I just heard it like in front of all these people and it was awesome because it was like, oh my God, that's my voice in my hometown. I would have never imagined that. That's so rad. Yeah, it was so, awesome. Like, was he kind of just DJing? He was or? just DJing that okay. show, yeah. Cause Got it. That must have been a little bit surreal. Yeah, it was great. And I'm so thankful for Pat because he's also been one of those people who's just like always trying to um, help you out and like push you. I emailed him when I moved to New York City and I was like, hey Pat, I'm looking for new producers. Do you know anyone in New York? And he was just so helpful. I mean, I just remember getting that email and uh i must have looked up some of your the stuff with marco i can't remember if the track that he had done with you was out yet already but i think he sent it to me whatever whatever it was i i heard your voice and was like okay was it his song that he did with us or the marco song i think it might have been oh no that he sent yeah i just remember being like there's something about your voice i was like okay we definitely have to get together so, um, yeah, yeah. I'm happy we did what happened next you sent me some tracks um, and some beats that you made prior and I went through them and then we like listened to a few of them um, the first session we had and we both really liked that one song well the one that and now is enough but yeah it was just a beat at first 
But like, it was this, just like this really innocent bell sound, almost like a lullaby. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I do remember that the, that the first version of the track, it was like very childish. Yeah. You know, the song like kind of has this repetitive like three note phrase that kind of just goes almost without changing through most mm-hmm. of the song. The sound that was playing that was like, I think it was kind of like a toy piano sound. Right. So it was like very like thin and super innocent. One of the main moments of transformation during the process of making that song was like when that sound got changed to a synth sound. It's like more raw and like it has more emotion kind of packaged inside of it. It's a little bit mm-hmm. more gritty. And I think like that ultimately fits the, the final version of the song. Yeah, and I think the final version that you sent me I only heard yesterday because you changed it again a little bit in the beginning. I think I did, right? Yeah, which I like. Yeah, so this is when the artist that you're working with hasn't actually heard the final version of the song (laughs) until right before you do the podcast interview. So yeah, big up my organizational skills. Actually, you know what? Because I hadn't heard from you for a few months. I was like, I don't know if this is still happening. Like maybe the song just got cut off the album and like, I don't want to make it feel awkward. So I'm just going to let it uh that's not what happened how do you write lyrics like you kind of have an ongoing like lyric book of ideas that you yeah well it's like so different every time i feel like because sometimes i sometimes i just write lyrics in my in my little lyric book i don't really think about it or i don't write a melody to it right away and then other times when i top line the stuff like your track i start just kind of like mouthing words but not really knowing where I'm going with it or just like hearing words and how they fit over the song and over like with the melody so I think how it happened was just me trying to sing anything over it and then just like it sparked ideas and um that particular song well I was recently a single then a few months back and so I guess I just had a lot of thoughts about like New York City dating and that whole scenario I guess Right. Maybe partially autobiographical or at least inspired oh, by. Always. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm not trying not- to call you out or like, you know, blow up your spot or anybody else's spot. One of the things to me that's interesting is like where the emotion of something comes from. I find oftentimes that people who are like digging into something that they've experienced, you know, can come up with something that actually resonates more universally to other people. You write a song and it ne- doesn't necessarily have to have happened in that exact way. You still relate it back to situations in your life that are real and you bring in those emotions and that experience into it so it's always kind of like a little bit autobiographic right and i don't know if that's just a millennial thing or if it's like a new york city la kind of thing it's like dating in big big cities it's so different than anywhere else because it's always that notion of like oh there might be something better around the corner and you don't really know how it is until you like experience living here and actually like meeting people and trying to connect. Um, right, it's like everybody's keeping their options open constantly. Everyone's keeping I, we their actually options talked open. about this. Exactly. I remember this when yeah. we were writing it because New York City is such that you could one day be like hanging out in your like crappy apartment and like the next day be at like Jay-Z's house. Yeah. Even if that's like a far-fetched possibility, it still is a possibility. Yeah. I and went to a comedy cellar the other day and I went in, ran into John Mayer, just like casually. I'm like, hey. <laughs> You're like, what's up, John? <laughs> I wish. Yeah, but I mean like. <laughs> so starstruck. It's like the only time I got starstruck, I think, in my whole life, because I don't usually, I'm just like, oh, like they're just people. But John Mayer was sitting like a few chairs down and was just like, notice me. <laughs> 
Speaking about one foot out of the door, I was there on a date. I was like, well, if John Mayer would pick me up right now, I'll be right out of there. Perfect example, folks. That's what it's like in New York City. It's like you're on a date, you see John Mayer, and you're just like, how do I lose this bozo so I can, like, so I can meet John Mayer? The subject matter of the song is, it's basically like a story of somebody who is not committing. I'm not a huge Tinder person or Bumble or whatever all these apps are called. I'm not on it. I, it doesn't really appeal to me. So like where else do you kind of meet people other than going out with your friends or at parties or if you, yeah, just like through mutual people or, or just random people at a bar that you like start talking to or whatever, you know? Um, and I think like the beginning lyrics of the song is um, wandering eyes of his caught their gaze and held on tight. Wandering eyes of his Caught their gaze and held on tight. And it's just like you see someone at a bar and you, like, everyone's eyes are just, like, wandering around the room, like, oh, who could I talk to? Like, Kind of like the main refrain of the song. Somehow we will never call it love, but sometimes being close to you is more than enough. Where did that come from? Well, I moved to New York City from Boston, which was a pretty big move although it's like just three hours but the city's just such a special different place and unless you like have lived here you don't really get the whole feeling of like being in a huge major city with all these people around you and like sometimes feeling so lonely at the same time and so I think also why people just make so many connections and try to just keep their doors open is because you're always trying to have a lot of people around you because you don't want to feel alone but it's also not these like substantial relationships or like those deep relationships all the time necessarily it's just like okay there's so many people and yet still like I'm yeah I just feel like kind of lonely in this like huge city even if you know that you and someone you're seeing it might not like be a relationship for years or like someone that you fully love in that kind of like deep way kind of love it's still better than being alone so you just like keep going with it and it's enough for the moment yeah and that that is actually worth something important too yeah when i listen to the song the thing that kind of resonates with me is that the enough in this song is actually a lot it's very meaningful aside from the fact that it's never going to be love or whatever like the enough that it's providing gets you through yeah keeps you going yeah I don't know. It's just so confusing to me, the whole just like feelings and and like dating. It's so difficult to like like someone, but then like, you know, it's not enough. But why is is that, you know, like why can you not make it happen? And why is everyone so scared of just like committing to something? So, yeah. So now we're we're coming back to love talk with Sam and Marie. This is what this <laughs> podcast has turned into. We're um <laughs> You know, call us, call us for your like uh, questions about random NYC hookups, like Tinder swipes, all kinds of. (laughs) Although we're both not on Tinder, like. In terms of the the structure of the whole album, something that happens in this song that is sort of like the only time it happens on the whole album is the song is kind of chugging along, and then the bottom kind of like falls out of it, and that's like essentially the bridge, which builds into this. The bridge is the part where it goes, um, pull me closer now, whisper words that you don't mean. Yeah. Which is like right. also so on point because right. I think that's all about the enough um, because you just kind of 
Yeah, but then you because then you say like, what what is it? It's like we're, let's keep wasting let's time. keep wasting time, lose our minds to what we feel. Right, and then that becomes kind of like this triumphant refrain that gets repeated. Yeah, um, you mostly wrote the lyrics, and the lyrical content came more from like your own experience. Like I kind of was just like feel like I helped like edit them. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But like what this song has become to mean for me on like my personal level is is actually like kind of about music for me and so like when when we were working on this like if you kind of like substitute a love interest for music as a subject of the song it actually is almost exactly what my relationship with music was when we were working on this and is still right now but I think it's kind of like you know it's never going to be perfect you know I don't kind of don't have to be like in love with music to have it be a hugely important part of my life like it's like a more complex emotion than that i know like i was going to ask you what someday means to you because that's that's the name of the album i think enough kind of dovetails really nicely into this concept of someday i don't know i mean enough for me is being realistic and being happy about like what is or what you have or what you can get and what you know is like reachable someday to me means easing into never because mm. I'm a very action kind of person. Like if I say something or I want to do something, it's going to happen. Or if it's like in my power to do it, I will do it if that's what I want. If people say someday or let's let's get dinner someday, let's do that someday. It means like it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like that's also what I came to just like realize here. It's a lot of the times you hear, oh, let's do this someday. It's like, no, if it's... If you want to make it happen, then set a date and time and I'll be there. But if you tell me someday, I already know you're trying to ease me into never and it's fine. You can just say that. (laughs) That's amazing. I love ease me into never. Um, Did you have any like other parts of the of the song or the track that you particularly like or things that you like were curious about? Like what the I was just going to mention, I'm a big fan of the second verse because um, I remember when we we did the first verse first verse first (laughs) writing wise. And um, I remember we were thinking about what we should do for the second verse. And we had, I think, like even different versions. And at first we were just going to do different lyrics over the same melody. And then we um, were like, no, let's do like something completely different because that's cool, too. It's kind of like new to the ear. Um, And I remember we were listening to SZA's album, which came out this summer. Mm -hmm. And we kind of tried to like go more into that direction with the melody. Remember, Right. But I think I also I think I also remember playing you Emmy Lou Harris. Yeah true right <laughs> well after we wrote it actually you were like oh, oh after like we that. wrote it okay okay that makes sense because so like i think a... that like uh so that wasn't really an inspiration yeah the em- Lou harris i think it was the yeah her album wrecking ball i definitely played it. i remember playing a track yeah. off that but i guess it, i that makes sense that it was at the end after i was like you got to do this like country harmony on yeah, this part so <laughs> funny we were cracking up in the studio <laughs> doing that harmony. yeah um, One and one makes you want less You pull back and I can't seem to get a grip Get a grip And then also we listen to the Heim album Right A lot Right So that, I think that like influenced the guitar maybe and Yeah, I think part. that it has like definitely this sort of like double time part at the end mm-hmm. um, When it's sort of like, you know, because in that bridge it, it sort of completely... I mean, the, the drums fall away, like tempo kind of like disappears for a second, but then it actually gets to this double time. I think that I definitely remember listening to Haim. 
Uh, oh yeah, and I guess you were asking about the. Um, I mean, I guess that there's a lot of like, especially with that new stuff in the beginning, those vocal kind of delays, like pitch delays. I think that that was a, uh, you know, like the, the kind of high pitched voice stuff, that treatment effect, is kind of like, um, it has it has like a sound of now type like aspect yeah. to it like there's a lot of music that kind of has that effect um but i guess i like uh one of the things that i think that i feel like we achieved with this song is like having at least two if not more indicators of like sound of now like kind of trap t- style drums and like those pitch voices but to make a song that like goes to a lot more places than like the sort of most music that kind of has those different yeah, it's elements. Because also, I feel like it also has some like 80s elements. Like, right. What genre would you say it is? Pop? No idea. <laughs> Difficult, right? With all this stuff, like I've been saying, basically what I've been saying about this whole album is that when people have been like, what's it like? I'm like, it's accessible music. And every track is also so different, right? Yeah. that's kind of. that. Well, I mean, that's kind of the idea. Like I kind of feel like it all sticks together, but I think trying to make a feature album full of songs that the artists singing on the songs could feel like would be represent them too. Like it's not just like me sort of like grabbing them and forcing them inside my world. It's sort of more of like a meeting of minds, I guess. That's kind of what like this even like is supposed to be kind of like, or what I hope it will be is just sort of being able to like get across more what the, what that process is like and like the kind of conversations we would have had in the studio when we're writing it, when we're recording it and just sort of like that idea of, yeah. Just the like, dating advice and all the hearts. <laughs> a lot of dating advice. <laughs> Thanks, Sammy. <laughs> Couldn't have made it through this without you. Oh, to be 23 again, Marie. <laughs> uh, I'm turning 24 on Thursday. Oh it's my God. Be, you are over old. the hill. Yeah. It's all over for you. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Should have my shit together by now. <laughs> well, luckily, you know, this song is going to change your life, so. <laughs> Better. Now, you, now you're setting the bar high. <laughs> I swore not to do that. Okay, well, then. No, but thank uh, you so much for having me on this album. Oh, I'm well, really excited about it. It honestly would be a totally different thing without you. And here is Enough featuring Marie Lang. Forever 